less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Deep dive. Martin. Khalil. What's up? Well, not much, man. How are you? I'm good. First episode. First episode, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I love contractors. They work really hard and they suffer a lot. Some of them make a lot of money and some of them just suffer a lot. I think they're really the uh, the best kind of people. Um, All but this one they're, guy. They're a little more real than the average person, I feel yeah. like. They don't no no barriers, no shields, no walls are up. Everything is, you know, call it like you see them. Yeah, and another thing about contracting is nobody understands them. Especially if you're dealing with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner or Mr. and Mrs. Uh, neighborhood guy, they do not understand what contracting is and the effects of weather and the effects of the subcontractor not coming when he said he would or she would. And they're just all these things. And a, and a really good contractor has to stand there and just smile, <laughs> try to explain, try to make people understand. And uh, no matter it just seems like it's just always something, something yeah. out of your control. Well, I mean, and they, they're wearing every hat and I'm excited to talk about yeah. this today, but just so many different hats that they're wearing that then, I mean, managing all these different tasks gets out of hand and there's a million things running through their mind, losing sleep at night. I mean, right. I think even just understanding these four areas and simplifying it into these four areas will probably give a lot of relief to most contractors that aren't aware of them. Yeah, I think good contractors understand project management and project management. A lot of that is, is systematically checking like what comes next, you know, what comes next, what's a series of a mental checklist of, you know, I got to pour the concrete or I got to do the grade work and I got to pour the concrete, but the plumber's got to put the plumbing in before I do that. And, you know, scheduling and oh, it's going to rain. So they kind of understand that. And I think one of the things about the, uh, four disciplines of business is from a business perspective, rather than just doing the work, it's a mental checklist that you can kind of run through. And of course, we'll be talking about why that is, but it's really helpful not to just think that everything in the world is a subject you might have to deal with. There are certain things you can check on routinely. Um, You and I both know, uh, because we're both in business, that one of the one of the hardest things in the world is you can't get something done. In other words, I'm going to deal with that, but I have to call somebody to do that and they don't answer and they're going to call me back and somebody's calling you on an answer, but you can't get it till you talk to that person. So, you know, it's to get something done, to get something figured out, get something completed, just to get the peace of mind. That's, that's one of the hardest things in any business, but yeah. I think especially in contracting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, Every time that I've heard you talk about these four areas, these four disciplines, you always do a really good job of starting with like vision, that it's really important right. to know like what you want to do, where you want to be, not just next month, but in five years, in 20 years, what's the ultimate goal of vision that you have? And you've got a really good one that I think a lot of contractors don't necessarily think about. They're worried about, you know, growing, but they don't think about it in terms of like, when you start out as a contractor, you've created a job for yourself, right? Absolutely. And, and I, I, and that's not the ultimate goal. You don't want to just create job, a job for yourself. 
um, you, you know, you talk about creating a thriving business. What's give us your definition of what a thriving business is. Well, to me, a thriving business is a highly profitable enterprise that can work without you having to be there every day. Um, right. If you have to be at work, if you're tra- trading time for money, that is the definition of a job. And if you're going to have a job, if you're working for yourself, but in fact, you're, you have a job, it's the high risk job. Because if you're working right. for somebody else, you're going to get paid. If you're working for yourself, you might not. Now, there are a lot of reasons people want to work for themselves, but really to just have a job and trade out a secure job for a high risk job isn't a really, really good trade off in my mind. If somebody wants to do that, that's fine, but that, right. that's not a very ambitious goal. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think that once you start to think of your business in terms of, Hey, how can I create systems and processes that fit into an org chart that I can hire people that are more specialized than me that are actually better than me at this task, which is oftentimes a lot really hard for a business owner because they're prideful, but finding that person to run that it, your business will actually do better without you. And I know for me, it sounds crazy that I could go on vacation for like 60 days (laughs) and my business would actually continue to grow and succeed without me. Like well, my business me, just let, isn't at that point. And I think a lot of contractors are there too. Well, let me, let me just ask you. And then I think maybe we, we can jump back and describe what the four areas are because we're kind of touching on two of them already. But, but one of them starts with, Khalil, do you believe that's possible for your business? Do you believe there will be a day when you can leave town for 60 days and not take your computer and not take your cell phone? Do you believe that's possible? I do. I, I do think it's possible. Um, not today, but I think it will be possible. I think uh, a lot of people I've talked to, and I've had uh, 277 clients, and that was about three years ago. I quit counting, so let's just say over 300. And I'd say the vast majority of them might even say they believe that's possible, but they don't really believe it. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's that's kind of one of the main functions of the four areas of business is that you can see things that you could actually do. So that can actually happen rather than just be some theoretical. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. But by the way, Hey guys, I got to run because I just got a call and a concrete truck didn't show up. (laughs) Right. Right. So, you know, it's kind of the tyranny of the urgent, but you, you have to believe it. And I think one of the ways uh, people come to actually believe it, not theoretically believe it is to kind of see what the process is. And, and I think the four areas of business, are the, uh, is, you know, understanding the four things that every business has to have is is the first step in that process. And then over the, the coming weeks and months, you and I will be refining the concepts from, right. uh, you know, down to individual specific things people can do to make it exactly. actually happen. Yeah, I think it's a good framework for basically moving forward. We can, for anything that we're talking about, we can assign right. it to one of these areas and really make it clear what we're trying to focus on. So okay. let's go ahead and jump into them. Like okay. you have a really good, really layman's terms example of like every, every business has four functions and only four functions. Right. Um, so go ahead and jump into that. Well, my, uh, originally came from my father when I was a young guy, he used to tell me every business does production, planning, administration, and sales. 
So I've changed the terminology a little bit to expand the scope, but those are the four things. Uh, and these are four things every business does, either intentionally or unintentionally, but every business does. And no business really does more than these four things. You can complicate it and you can say, well, that's not this, but really just four things. And the four things are guiding the business, getting the business, doing the business, and administering the business. So every business has, has to deal with those four things. The business owner doesn't have to necessarily and ultimately shouldn't because there are things that business owners should be concentrating on. And one of them is a fire truck, which I'm sure that people can't <laughs> hear going by. But, uh, but anyway, we can't plan for that and bless their heart, whatever the issue is. I see it's an ambulance. But uh, if, we, if we just start out with them in order, guiding the business, getting the business, doing the business, and administering the business, we start with guiding the business. Uh, you touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, it's, it's we need a vision for the company. And when I deal with uh, clients, sometimes vision is easy. Um, Steve Jobs right. had a vision of changing reality. Uh, Khalil, I don't know if you want to share what your vision is for Benelli. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started Benelli Marketing uh, almost four years ago. And the idea was, you know, my last name is really hard for people to say. Uh, Benali Ulhaj looks a lot harder than it actually is, in my opinion. What do you say? You say Benelli in the garage? Martin. Yeah, well, now I'm a duck hunter and it's Benelli's a shotgun. So I used to just remember <laughs> my Benelli in the garage. Yeah. So Benali Ulhaj. Anyways, it means uh, son of Ali, the one who made the pilgrimage. And my great grandfather was Ali, lived in Morocco, made the pilgrimage all the way across the Sahara Desert, um, thousands of miles by caravan, by camel. And, you know, the idea of Benali marketing and really just Benali is what I'm, I'm calling it now is that we would help business owners in their journey of business because as they are trying to get their business started, as they're trying to grow and scale their business, it's a journey. There are obstacles, there are challenges along the way, there's setbacks, uh, there's highs and lows. And it's ultimately, that takes a lot of courage, a leap of faith to go on that journey. And you can't do it alone. Like no one, as we're going to talk about, can do all four areas by themselves. And ultimately, you can't just grow your company by yourself. You're going to have to have employees and a team behind you. And so we want to partner with businesses and we're doing that right now through marketing and sales. Uh, but we want to partner with them so that we can come alongside them on that caravan, on that journey, on that pilgrimage, and we can help them with their marketing and sales. We can be their outsourced team that really understands them, understands their challenges, and really guides them along the way. Uh, so they don't have to do it by themselves and they can feel confident in the decisions that they're making. So that's the, that's kind of the vision for Benali ultimately is to help business owners everywhere. Uh, but more specifically contractors, um, helping them to go through those challenges. Right. So that's where we want to be. We want to be the point where we're not just doing marketing and sales, but we're also helping with HR, with bookkeeping, with all the different areas of business, uh, so that they can, they have somebody that they can rely on and trust. Right. And that's, I mean, and you've thought a lot about it. I know you have um, many businesses, and I would even say most 
really haven't and yeah. uh, about a vision for the future. And we can do all the cliches we want. You have to have a North star. If you don't know which direction you're going, which way you're going to point your feet when you get out of the bed in the morning. Uh, Brian Tracy says the foundation of all success, both personal and professional is clarity. And it's so true. I've learned that when I'm coaching, when I know what somebody wants, we know what we have to do to get it. If I don't know right. what somebody wants, if they don't know what they want, then we're wandering and wandering is, uh, is not a good plan <laughs> implied yeah. in the words. Well, you, you do a good job of also like not making it as, as difficult as people make it, you know, it doesn't have to be complex. You just make it simple. Like, what do you literally want? Do you want a mansion? Do you yeah. want X amount of dollars in your bank account? What is it that you actually want? Right. Well, that's when, uh, the standard, and I, I encourage uh, all my clients to listen to it by Simon Sinek has a start with why TED talk. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. There's about 90 million views. There's, it's in Puget Sound. And he is the standard for inspiring people to understand their why. Why am I doing what I want? The issue is most of the people I work with don't have lofty Steve Jobs change the universe <laughs> which is what he's talking about, uh, what Simon Simon's talking about. Uh, right. They don't have lofty goals like that. And they're kind of going, well, I really just want to make money and spend time with my family. So that's okay. So I talk about two different kinds of vision when we talk leadership. And one of them is that lofty goal. If you have a lofty goal, uh, if, if you want, if you're a vegan and you want the whole world to no longer eat meat, whether well, I'm not saying I agree with that, but okay, that's your lofty goal. And that's what really inspires you and gets you out of bed. That's fantastic. Most people have a harder time with that and they yeah. languish in trying to come up with that lofty goal. So I always revert back to what you said. What do you really want? And well, I want to, I want to only work 40 hours a week. Uh, I want a system run business that doesn't depend on me or one other person who could leave at any time. I want uh, adequate compensation for what I'm doing. Um, I want happy employees. I want delighted customers. So it, sometimes it's just an exercise of saying, wouldn't it really be cool if, and yeah. literally that's an exercise. Wouldn't it be cool if, and then take off the self-limiting beliefs. So many people restrict themselves. I've, I've found by saying, well, I couldn't do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, I, we're kind of talking goals here, but they're ridiculous. Uh, I, I hate the word being reasonable. I don't, I don't want everybody to be reasonable in their vision and goal because reasonable is limiting, but also I don't want them to be ridiculous. Like for example, I'm 67 years old. If my goal, my vision were to play one game in the NBA, that's what I call yeah. a blow off goal because that is not going to happen. And if I set that as a goal and I know it's not going to happen in advance, I have tip, I've just blown off the task. Right. But right. don't limit yourself as you create that vision. And so when we're talking about leadership, we've, we've touched on vision, but, uh, or guiding the business, which is leadership, but there's so much more than that. Uh, as, as the leader of the business, you, you control that vision. This is where we're going, guys. We're going to be in, a regional contracting firm. We're going to be a small contracting firm. We're going to be uh, uh, national, international. We're going to buy yeah. elevated cranes and build, you know, what's the vision of the company? You also, as the leader, 
are in, responsible for the culture of your company. And yeah. Brian Tracy says it well, your, your culture is a collection of values and they determine what you stand for, or as he says it more importantly, what you won't stand for. Mm-hmm. And you do that with, a t- with intent when you're dealing with, with leadership and guidance. Uh, any collection of two or more people, there is a culture there. And the question is, did it happen to you or did you create that culture? And culture is vastly more important, vastly too important to let it happen. You have to think about that. I'm honest. I want people who are engaged. I want people who enjoy being here. I want good team players who respect each other. I don't want gossip and drama in my business. And those things can happen to you by accident, but usually not. Good companies with good teams. Go ahead. But but it's intentional. Yeah. And I I think that ultimately, you know, when you do have that North star, when you do have that vision, it's going to help you to live out those values that you want in your team as well. Because I think the most important thing with those values, with that culture is what is the leader doing? You know, if the, if the leader is being arrogant and being a prick or whatever it is, you've, you're, you're shaping the culture there. And, but if you know what the ultimate goal is, you're more likely to live that out as well. Um, not, necessarily self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's at least giving you something to work towards. And I think that whenever you do have that vision out there, not only is it going to help shape your values and the way that you live, but it helps your team get behind something. If your team doesn't know what's going on and what the ultimate vision is, they're just working a job. They're just looking at a paycheck. But if they can get something behind that they believe in, kind of like start with why, what you're talking about, Simon Sinek, when they have something they can believe in, they'll do it for free. They'll right. do it because they believe in it as well. Uh, and that's ultimately what you want. You don't, you want that to be your competitive advantage as a, as an employer, you know, when you're vying for the other, for the best employees, like your competitors, you want them to choose you because they believe in the same vision. That's a, that's a great point too. And I don't know who said it. It wasn't I who originated it, but you want to talk competitive advantage. Anybody can du- duplicate your systems. I mean, they can't, it might be hard, but they can't. Nobody can duplicate your culture, right? You create it. And when you put together a team of the right people who are engaged and like what they're doing and like their peers and think about it other than just, is it five? Can I get home? You've created something that your competitor can't just walk in and emulate. So that's, that's a really good point. So what I want to do Oh, go ahead. Okay. Go go ahead, Martin. Go ahead. Well, just something else that you said that, um, about leadership, uh, I don't exactly remember how you said it, but there's, I think, 800,000 hits if you Google leadership and what is it and how to be a good leader. And there are all these different <laughs> approaches to it, and there are all different right. kinds of leaders and things like that. But one of the simplest things is people follow people who have a vision and are decisive. And yep. it's just my personal experience, but generally, people uh, to not, not to their detriment, but it's tough. Life is decisions. That's what life is. It's just a series of unending decisions. And if somebody can decide a big, a big decision, like this is where we're going boys and girls, and this is what we do. And this is what we stand for. People will get on board because, Hey, that decision has been made. And I agree with it. It's better than them floundering around trying to decide what's meaning. It's, it's so hard for people to find a vision. I mean, that's what we were talking about. It's, it's really hard a yeah. lot of times. And if 
somebody sees somebody who's got a vision, they go, yeah, that's for me and jump on. So one of the great elements of leadership is to be decisive and to have a vision and people will follow yeah. you for that. What, what's that? What's that? Uh, <laughs> that Donald Miller story. Oh, I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot during this podcast, but uh, who's, who's Donald was, Miller? <laughs> <laughs> but okay. like where he's, people want to follow someone. Um, and he, he talks about whenever he was at a conference speaking oh. and he said, everybody oh, come out yeah, from yeah, the yeah. hallway. Yeah. Yeah. He says, uh, he, if you know who Donald Miller is, we are going to talk about him, but the guy's magnificent. Uh, he's a writer and he's anyway, he's, he's just magnificent and you'll hear more about him, but he speaks to business owners and he's talking about marketing and people worried about, well, I want to say this and marketing and all that. And so he said he was in a, in a room with uh, 400 people, 400 business owners. And he looked out upon them. He said, everybody join me in the, in the hall. And he walked out and 400 business owners CEOs, managers, get up and follow him in the hall. Well, he had a soapbox out there with a bullhorn on it. He got up on the soapbox. He got the bullhorn out, waited until everybody's looking at him. He said, people will go where you tell them to. Set the bullhorn down and walk back in. <laughs> I mean, what a great, that, that's why he's so good. I mean, he just made the point. Right. But, but people will go where you tell them because if, if you sound reasonable, if you if you blow it somewhere, like if you lie, cheat, steal, you know, whatever. Right. Then they're, then they're through following you. But uh, yeah. But anyway, that well, leadership. That's, that's true with the team. Yeah. So anyway, that so the, the leadership being the first, the first thing about guidance and there are, there are other elements, but the, the, the number one role of a leader uh, is the keeper of the vision and the keeper of the culture. That's just, it. Right. those are the number, that's, I guess that's two number one and two roles equally important. For any leader, there right. are other things that fall under that um, category, and it's uh, accountability, planning, goal setting, incentivizing people, uh, keeping your team—you know—working with your team to hold yeah. it together, uh, organizing the company. Uh, yeah. So there are all the details, but they all fund it, fall under that general category of guiding the business or leadership. Right. In most small businesses. The owner doesn't has maybe heard of those things, but doesn't spend any time intentionally dealing with them or improving on them. They're, they're right. kind of academic theories, if you will. Well, and I, I think that um, you know that guiding the business is great, and it's a um, thing that is overlooked by a lot of people, by a lot of business owners. But I think something that a lot of businesses business owners don't realize it's great for them to guide the business, but if they can get other people inside the business helping with the guiding, oh, being a little bit, having a little yeah. bit more initiative, having a little bit, you know, doing some of the planning themselves, creating new systems, trying to optimize systems that are in place, um, you know, going above and beyond, that's when you know you have real buy-in as a contractor. Yep. Whenever, whenever you've got someone underneath you that said, hey, you know, I, I updated this, are you okay with it? You know? I mean, yeah, rather than, oh, we got this problem. <laughs> right. Because ultimately, you're not going to be able to grow if you're the only one doing the guidance. Right. If you're the only one guiding the business, the only one that's taking on that responsibility, then you're it's it's limited to you. But if you can get everybody on your team to have a culture of, hey, we're trying to build this business, build this company into something greater than we can do right. individually, 
I mean, that's the ultimate goal for me is like, I want people on my team to feel like they can own a new process, that they can develop a new strategy, that they can, you know, whatever it is so that we can improve as a whole. It's not just dependent upon me because, you know, I suck. Not really, but <laughs> I can't do everything. Well, if you, if you, everything runs through you, you are perpetually limited by your personal capacity to get things done, period. End of discussion. That's it. If you got to make the decisions. So you do have to delegate and then we'll, we'll spend time in the future talking about how to do that because the distinction, and it's a great point that that's a critical role of leadership is to delegate, but there's a difference between delegation and abdication. And what happens a lot of times is somebody says, I'm too busy, go out there and handle it. Well, somebody goes out and handles it, but there's no feedback on how they handled it. And they're doing right. it completely different. And then you go out and get mad at them. And if that happens about twice, they're through handling it. Matter of fact, they're yeah. looking for another job because you didn't tell them uh, how you wanted it done. You didn't give them guidance or you just abdicated. So delegation versus abdication is big, big difference. And uh, yeah. so we'll spend a lot of time, I think, in the future is how to delegate properly to eventually unload yourselves. So let's talk about that next area of business, because um, I know that we'll probably do a full episode just on uh, guiding the business itself. Yeah. But I think uh, this next area I'm really uh, involved with a lot, but right. it, it's revolved around customers. It's just getting the business. Right. And uh, obviously, you know, whenever somebody does start a business, you know, you decide that you're going to become a contractor. You do it because you love building things, you love renovating things, you love remodeling or whatever it is that you like doing. And that's why you get started. But you do have to get business. And so right. what are you typically seeing? I, I already know what, what typically <laughs> happens for a contractor and how they first get business. Well, universally, if you ask a business owner how he or she gets their business, I mean, I've got a $100 bill and I'll lay it on the table every time. They will respond word of mouth word of mouth referrals and i'll say well <laughs> hey what's your can you show me your referral program what how much does a client cost you to acquire and how much yeah. is a client worth i don't i don't know and i mean that's just i mean the internet facebook you know uh digital marketing uh has changed things a lot uh, people yeah. can get on and try and put out an ad on Facebook and they might, they might catch fish, you know, right. but a systematic approach to marketing uh, is more common than it used to be. And I think the miracle of the internet truly is, it's just, it's wonderful. Um, right. And, but a lot of people try it and it doesn't work. And then people say, well, I can get a website for $300. What are you talking about? $5,000 for a web site and 2000 a month for marketing or 5000 or whatever it is. I'm not spending that kind of money. It's because they view marketing as an expense, not as an investment. An investment. And yeah, absolutely. actually their experience justifies that because if they have yeah. tried it, you used to put, you know, $15,000 a year in the yellow page ads, you know, have <laughs> to do it every year. Well, you get any business out of the yellow pages? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just have to tell you this because, and then we're in your area of marketing expertise, but I have a client, um, two years. Uh, so about two years ago, we're in talking about marketing and he literally did spend $12,000 a year 
uh, and had just paid it for uh, yellow pages. And I mean, there are 10 yellow pages now. There's red books and yellow books and the yellow pages. Anyway, 12,000 bucks. I said, whoa, what are you going to stop that? And he said, well, I can't stop that. It's the most important part of my marketing piece. So I said, well, are you getting any business from it? Well, fortunately, uh, they have pretty pretty good systems. And so we met their, their accountant, went back and audited. They got $258 revenue, not profit, revenue from the Yellow Pages because they asked. Man. And he's spending 12000 So I made my it's feedback in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, sad, I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's just like well, marketing is just kind of unknown voodoo. Well, and it goes back, honestly, it does go back to guiding the business. Like if you are going to make any decisions in any of the areas, you, it has to go back to guiding and where, and you talk about this a lot, you don't need to be an expert in all these four areas, but you do need to understand how they work. You know, you talk about, you talk about it with bookkeeping. Like I understand bookkeeping. I don't do my bookkeeping. You know, I've got a great bookkeeper. Nor uh, should you. Really cost accountant. Yeah. Right. And and she does an incredible job and we meet quarterly to go through things and it's reconciled monthly. You know, everything's good in our books. But if I'm doing that, it's taking me out of things that are actually going to help me grow the business itself. Right. And it's taking up too much time. I have to let go of that. And it's the same thing with, with any of these, like with marketing. You don't need to be doing it yourself, but you do need to understand how it works. And so you need to find somebody if you're not going to do it. You need to hire somebody that's really competent and doesn't just know how to do the tasks, but understands the strategy behind it as well. Or you need to work with someone like an agency that can help you to understand the strategy right. and really lays it out clearly for you, but then does the work in a really timely and excellent fashion as well. So, so how do you define good marketing? Because people ask, ask me that. Yeah, it's a great question. So you know, marketing has changed so much. And if we're talking specifically for contractors, I think that they're, you're, you're, you have a brand, whether you want it or not, just like your company has a culture, whether you're intentional with it or not, right? That brand is still there. And if you aren't out there marketing, then you are, you're actually not dictating the narrative of your brand, right? You, there can, if you, let's just say, for example, if you don't know Google My Business, if someone searches for your business on Google, you're there's gonna you're gonna pop up and there's gonna be this Google on Google, there's gonna be a little side panel that shows, you know, your address, a photo maybe of your location, um, you know, your phone number, your website, reviews, right? If you're familiar with Google reviews, those those live in Google My Business. If you're not intentional with that Google My Business and people just start leaving bad reviews, that has dictated your brand because people are viewing Google My Business on contractors every single day. And if they're just seeing their reviews, then they're not getting to see it. You should be owning that with your marketing. You should have really high quality pictures, especially for a lot of contractors. You know, whether you're, you know, doing countertops or you are remodeling or whatever it is, it's a visual experience for your customers. They see what you do. They don't know how it works or how you, your process is handled. They just want to see the end result. They want a beautiful kitchen. They want a beautiful backyard, you know, whatever it is. And so you need to have really high quality pictures. And that's going to, if you do, that's really going to change the way they think about your brand. Oh, wow, this is really high quality work. If you just got a cell phone snapped on there, honestly, it doesn't really matter how beautiful the space is. It doesn't 
exude quality. It doesn't communicate quality to people, right? So on your Google My Business, you've got those beautiful pictures. You're making sure that you're going and getting five-star reviews. All the And every single review you're replying to with like a thank you so much. We really loved working on your project. You've got an amazing home, whatever it is. Or if somebody has that bad review, replying and saying, we are so sorry. What can we do to help? We'll be there. You know, We'd love to f- fix this for you, whatever it is. If you're, if you're intentional with, and this is just one aspect, Google my business, but if you're intentional with that, it changes the brand, it changes the narrative that people have about your company in their mind. Um, so yeah, I have, I have guys who ask me, you know, everybody's heard of a brand. I mean, everybody's heard that word, but they go, man, you know, I'm not going to poke $50,000 into creating a brand. You know, what I need is business. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, that, a little bit to me that that is kind of, and I, I know it's it's true of you also, but really, really good marketing is marketing that works. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it's what you're describing is the kind of marketing that that does work. And there, what do you call it? The zone of what? Uh, you know, when the, you start the gap out with of marketing, disappointment when you start marketing, the gap of disappointment. I yeah. mean, it's literally going to happen with this podcast, right? Right. And anybody that makes content will tell you. We're going to sit here. We're going to make 20, 40, 50, 80, 100 episodes, and we may get 100 listeners. We may get a dozen listeners. But then something happens, you know, we get where, where people start to recognize, start to notice, and then they share, and it starts to build traction and momentum, and right. we add subscribers, we add followers. And all of a sudden, we look up, and we've got 10,000 listeners on, a, on each episode, and then- right we're able to really leverage that audience, right? We're able to say, hey, oh we're going to do a conference. You mean there'll be 10,000 people listening? Oh my gosh, now I'm nervous. <laughs> you didn't know. You thought it was just me and you. Well, yeah, but, I thought it was just you and me. Yeah, I know. We're going to build an audience and that's going to be our brand. And then all of a sudden we're writing books and doing conferences and putting out courses and they cost and they're really great things and they would do great by themselves. But now we have an audience that we can directly market it to. Same thing for a contractor, you know, there are so many great services out there, you know, pay-per-click if you're running Google ads or even Facebook ads, there's pay-per-lead like Home Advisor or Google local services for some contractors, not every, those are good things, Right. but you have to have marketing systems in place to where, you know, if I, if I'm a contractor right now and I go sign up with Home Advisor, what's going to happen is they're going to send me leads that maybe cost $50 or a hundred dollars. And if I'm not the first person that calls them, I've lost the deal. Right. So you internally have to have systems set up to where as soon as that lead comes in, right, and not waiting on the email because the email comes 20 minutes after they've actually sent it to you through their platform. So you're inside of HomeAdvisor, always monitoring it. And then as soon as it comes, it's sent out to somebody, secretary, yourself, whatever, that's going to go and call so that you're the first person on the phone with them. Right. But then... Not everybody's going to answer, right? Some people are going to leave voicemails. You've got to have a really good voicemail script. You've got to have a follow-up time that you're going to call. And you've got to tell them on that voicemail, hey, if you don't call back, I will call back at this time. Then you've got to enroll them into a sequence that sends them an email saying, hey, saw that you were interested. If you fill out this form, we'll get you started right away or book a meeting right now, right? And then maybe it sends email after email for the next week. That's what's going to help you win those deals on the paper lead services. Right. That is good marketing, but that's just one aspect. And that's marketing that works, right? 
Yeah, one of the, uh, since you mentioned it, uh, had many, many, many contractor clients. And so I ask whenever I have friends or other people, uh, not commercial because they do things with bids, but it's not all about the price. But uh, people, I say, how did you choose that contractor? Do you know, you know what the number one answer I hear is, Khalil? I don't know if I've said They got to you first or they communicated. They called me back. They called, they called me, me back. back. Yeah. He's the only one who called me back. If, if you want to set a vision for a contracting company, you can use this one. We're the communication company. Yeah. There's a vision to become a communication company. You can even do mediocre contracting work. If you're the, <laughs> if you're the communication company and you keep people apprised of what's going on, you call them back promptly. You tell them every Friday in a yeah. scheduled uh, uh, text, you know, say, hey, man, thought we were going to be there next Monday, but now we're not. I mean, nobody wants to tell people bad news, but it's way better to tell them than it is to let them find out Monday when you don't show up. Uh, yep. But anyway, that's, but that can, that can be a whole brand. And then everything you were talking about, the communication and the systems and processes, because the reason people don't call them back is because they're so damn busy with the fire of the day. You know, whatever yep. happened, whatever Absolutely. crisis is today, and pretty soon it's eight o'clock at night and you got to go home and you didn't call them back. You know, so it's systems yeah. and processes and, and people who aspire to do that are sitting there thinking, uh, man, how am I supposed to do that? Well, we yeah. got to figure out how to do that. <laughs> maybe, yeah. it, maybe it's your spouse or somebody, uh, an intern type person who responds. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm so passionate about um, this topic and, you know, it's obviously what I do in my team. We take care of for contractors all the time, but, you know, all the things that revolve around getting business, you know, sales, marketing, advertising, right. you know, conversion optimization, social media, writing content and articles and podcasts and, you know, referral programs, all these different things are extremely important. And I'm excited to talk about these topics on this podcast. And quite they're a bit. also and I know intimidating, that. I'm sure. Yeah. And that's why yeah, you don't I mean, do them yourself. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that just kind uh, of, I mean, back back on that just a little bit though, you know, on the getting the business is, is marketing and sales. Uh, if we define marketing as attracting the leads and sales as closing them, they're not distinct disciplines because your marketing should help sell and your selling should be part of good marketing, but they, they are different things at some level and the company has to get good at them. The company yeah. has, to, has to get good on it. And, but the principles but, behind them, I think we've got a lot to talk about on that in the future. We can spend hours on it. But the number one thing is uh, the number one question in my mind for marketing and sales is who are you talking to? Um, Absolutely. What do they want? What's in it for them? It's not about you. It doesn't matter that you won the contractor's subcontractor award or that you've been in business 35 years. It's what what does your target audience care about your target customer and how are you going to take care of their needs? And if you're spending a nickel or a dime or any time at all, tell them how great you are, you're wasting your money and your effort. It's how can I help you? So, but anyway, we can talk yeah. about that in future episodes. Yeah, you've get, you've, a, you've got a your target audience. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, um, I thought this would be a good time to take a little bit of a break as we are going into the third area in between the four um, to maybe share, 
you know, this segment, Mount Rushmore. And okay. in this episode, talking about our Mount Rushmore of books. So okay. if you'll give four, but then just choose one, because I know that, you know, I'm not going to read eight books between episodes. Okay. So if you're giving four, I'm giving four, that's not going to happen. But give us four and then choose that one, that George Washington. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Looking for George Washington. Um, <laughs> you know, we got a hundred books here. And, and one thing, one of the uh, characteristics of really successful business owners is that they read and reads a metaphor. I don't care if you listen, <laughs> it can be listening or watching uh, or watching, but, but yeah. uh, reading because it constantly points your mind in a positive and growing direction and you will always pick things out. So since we're beginning early here, one of the first books is the E-Myth and uh, it's been around a long time. It's by Michael Gerber. Uh, Michael Gerber is the, uh, is the one who coined the phrase working on your business rather than in your business, which I'm surprised mm -hmm. we haven't used a bunch yet today, but everybody yeah. knows what that means. It's carving out some time to work on your business rather than just being a contractor and working in your business. Okay. So his book is the E-Myth and that's E-M-Y-T-H. Uh, e stands for entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial myth. And he talks about how to systemize and, and build a business that that can work without you. There is one, uh, there are various e-myths. There's e-myth, uh, attorney, e-myth, doctor, e-myth, but there is an e-myth contractor. Now, how do you recommend that book? And uh, so it's the e-myth, but it's tailored to contractors. So that's a great one. Uh, another one of my favorites that I give to people when we start is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And great the compound. Book. I'm sorry. It's a great book. Oh, uh, it's kind of a thinking process. Uh, he actually emulates Jim Rohn, who's probably the greatest business philosopher anywhere in the last century. But uh, the real takeaway message of that group of that book is the power of small things. Uh, if you look at big things and say, I have to get that million dollar contract to survive that may or may not happen or may or $10 million prime, but the little things, the little things, that's what matters. And, uh, the compound effect is a book about that, about how to pay attention to the little things and the difference that it makes. So that's number two. Uh, another, another one was, um, your one thing by Gary Keller. Um, uh, and he's the guy who started Keller Williams realty. And he also happens to be a, really a genius. Uh, he's a great trainer and a great author. But as we go for, through these four things, we've been through two now, there will always be something that would have the greatest impact on your life, either time or money or whatever is causing you to suffer and have stress. There's always one thing that's more important than all the others. And you need to focus on that one thing. You cannot do everything. And it will scatter you and send you all over and, you know, chase two rabbits catch none old Chinese. Yeah. Problem. So the, the, your one thing by Gary Keller, and it might be the one thing, uh, is really, really, uh, lays that out well and explains it in a really easy to read book. Uh, so it helps you decide what one thing is most important. So I can concentrate yeah. on working on that one thing, actually get something done and then move on to the next thing that has now become most, more important 
because you fixed the first one. And the last book is uh, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller, whom we already talked about. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so much. And when you read that book, it's just it's easy to read. It makes complete sense. It's kind of fun to read. It starts you thinking about marketing and selling properly. And once you read it, uh, it will click immediately. Uh, you'll, you'll get it immediately. Yeah. And then you'll start to notice how much bad marketing there is. And I don't just mean by the local guy. I mean, there are millions and hundreds of millions of dollar marketing campaigns uh, at the Super Bowl and on all the different television channels. And they're yeah. absolutely terrible. They are about the brand. They don't tell you what the brand does. They don't tell you how the brand can help you. And they don't tell you how to buy it. And that's, you know, I presume New York City marketing firms cranking out a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, so those, those are the four. Uh, the E-Myth mm -hmm. Contractor, the Compound Effect, uh, Donald Miller and the Story Brand, Building a Story Brand, and Gary Keller's uh, Your One Thing. If you haven't read it yet, it's just foundational. I would start with the E-Myth Contractor and get it on Amazon. You know, it costs you seven That's your George Washington. That's the, that's that's the, the one the they got to read. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, how about you? You took you took one of mine, Story Brand. So that's why I'm always going to go there. first. Yeah. So he's Story also got marketing made mine. easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Story Brand's a great book. Um, I actually have bought it for many people already, and really helpful for framing just everything. I think even for just understanding your vision, it's really helpful. Um, so I highly recommend that one. But um, I'm going to recommend some other books and I might even take a little bit of a tilt towards, um, the marketing and sales aspect as well. So, um, one, you've got story brand two, I've got start with why by Simon Sinek, which we've referenced the YouTube video, but a really great book, um, that really just gets you thinking about why you're doing what you're doing. Great for personal development, uh, for career development, but also for, as a, as a contractor, as a business owner, um, really helpful for, for understanding your purpose. Um, next one is they ask you answer by Marcus Sheridan. Really great book, really, um, good marketing book to help you understand the value of content, uh, not just in your marketing, but in everything, in your sales, in your organization, um, in the direction of your company. It's really, really helpful. Um, lastly, last book that I recommend is actually one that I've been recommending a lot. Um, which is Range by David Epstein. And it's why um, or how generalists thrive in a specialized world. Basically talking about, and I think it's really important for business owners, but the idea is that we, we think that we think of the 10,000 hour rule where you've got to invest so much time into one thing and you've really got to hammer it home if you're ever going to be the Tiger Woods or the Roger Federer of your industry. But the reality is that's not necessarily, especially in business, that's actually not that valuable. Like if all you know how to do is, you know, manufacture really great cabinets or to build beautiful kitchens and you just know how to do that, you'll be a really good kitchen remodeler, but you're not going to be a great business person, right? And in business, you're in so many different domains. And that's essentially what the four areas talks about. You've got all these very different things that you could spend, you know, years going to colleges and getting degrees in each one of them. 
but really you just need to try your hand in all these different domains and you're going to learn across domains as well what you're learning you know as you're building the kitchen is also going to help you as you're building your business um, there's similarities across. So anyways, those are my four books out of all four, my George Washington, my one that you definitely need to read. Um, I'm going to say start with why, just because it is so foundational. If you're not yet working on your business, if you're not yet understanding clearly what your vision is, that's where I would start. How do you spell his last name? Sinek. S-I-N-E-K. S-I-N-E-K. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, Rep Mount Rushmore. We'll be doing more of those, um, not with books every time. Uh, maybe we'll get a little bit faster, Martin. I think we kind of dragged that one on a little bit. <laughs> what, the Mount Rushmore? <laughs> yeah, we, that's what hey, it takes a while, man. That wasn't created overnight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, third area, right? And I, I think this is a really good one that, honestly, we have, there's advice for, but this is what people are usually the expert at. Contractors are usually really good at this one, right? right? So, yeah. The, uh, doing if, the business. You, yeah, doing the business. So we've got guiding the business, leadership, getting the business, sales, marketing, uh, doing the business, which is production uh, of your product or delivery of your service, whatever it is that you sold. Uh, you know, it's, it's making good on your promise. And when I talk with... Uh, hundreds and hundreds of businesses, many, many more hundreds than I've actually worked with. People usually are good at one of the four areas, and this is the one that they're good at. And that makes sense because that's why they went into business. Uh, you all are contractors, but you might be a good doctor because that's what you went into business to be a doctor or a dentist or a psychologist or a pharmacist. But that's that's what you're good at. That's the thing that you do. And so this one is usually uh, something people are good at. And a lot of the effort that we go into is to answer this question. Do I have a process for that? So whatever it is you're doing, do you have processes? So are you a process uh, dependent business or a people dependent business? Um, People can leave, processes remain behind. Processes are a method for distilling um, best practices and improvements and passing them on and spreading them throughout the organization. Without processes, if you're dependent on that really good product or uh, project manager or a really good lead foreman or a really good freight clerk or a really good even uh, you know office order, uh, work order person, and then that person leaves, you're in deep trouble. So in production, one of the most important things is that you that you have processes and that you have a way to measure how well you're doing. Uh, we'll spend time on that. And we'll also yeah. spend time on another subject of lean improvements. In other words, there is no process in the history of mankind that cannot be improved upon. <laughs> and good enough is not good enough. Uh, Good is the enemy of great. So uh, good, all constant improvement, the Japanese word Kaizen, constant improvement. And that's whether or not you're actually a manufacturer or you're a project manager to get materials delivered, or you even just cut lawns and not just cut lawns, yeah. but you, you, you cut lawns. Uh, do you have a process for that? For everything that you do, maintaining the mowers, showing up at time, notifying the homeowner you're coming, make sure that you didn't forget the edging or some other process. 
So in production, um, usually, as you said, people know what they're doing. The improvements that come in in production are in processes and incremental intentional improvement that you that you work into yeah. your system so they perpetuate themselves. Yeah, and I, I think um, although you may be a brilliant contractor, great craftsman, wh- whatever it is that you do, you're good at it or else you wouldn't be in business. As soon as you start to write out your systems, that that's really the only time that it actually ever really improves. Um, and that's the only time that you're actually really able to grow. I know for us, I know we're not contractors, but until we develop systems in our business, we are usually lacking in those areas. Right. We, we do okay, but we realize really quickly, as soon as we write out the system or as soon as we make the new process, wow, how, how did we work without this before? I mean, it, it blows your mind. Yeah, so, there's so many, uh, so many other uses for uh, systems as well. Uh, I imagine that, well, I know for a fact, most of my clients historically have dreaded uh, employee evaluations so much so that a lot of them don't do it well one of the reasons is it's a subjective for a lot of people it's a subjective oh i gotta tell him i don't like his attitude or i don't know what to say or they have them fill out a form and say how they did and then you compare and say well i don't agree with you or do anyway they they dread it it's it's not against anything objective if you have systems and processes and and targets to hit you can measure some objective criteria uh, when right. you're hiring somebody, a collection of uh, processes be- can become a job description. And when you hire somebody, you can hire somebody. There are other reasons rather than their abilities to hire. I mean, then to do the specific work, attitude and so on, which we'll talk about in the future. But you at least know what you're looking for. The day they first show up, you've got a training manual because what they need to do is learn those processes. So it's yeah. just so much more. Uh, important. And ultimately it's, what's going to set you free because when you leave the business, they're running on processes rather than your specific day-to-day instructions. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's the only way you're going to be able to, to grow is if you're not doing it. And so that's, it's extremely important. And I think this is a good time for the quote of the episode. Um, so this is related to systems and just, you know, as you're a contractor, as you're trying to grow, as you're stepping out of your business, this is, I think, extremely important. So here's the quote. As you become successful in your own field, your responsibilities may begin to change. Days become less and less about doing and more and more about making decisions, such as the nature of leadership. This transition requires reevaluating and updating your identity. It requires a certain humility to put aside some of the more enjoyable or satisfying parts of your previous job. It also means accepting that others might be more qualified or specialized in areas in which you considered yourself competent, or at least their time is better spent on them than yours. Right. That's and true. I think it's really great to think about it from that perspective because we, you know, we talk about the you know logical steps that it takes to grow a business and to build systems and to become more profitable. But at the end of the day, like your personal identity really does change, and people may struggle with that if you started your business because you loved what you were doing, right? Building, remodeling the kitchens, right? Doing the installs, doing the craftsmanship, whatever it is, that is something that was a part of your identity. But as you become more of a business owner and write those systems, 
your identity changes. You become more of a leader. Yep. You become more of a decision maker. You become less involved in those things. And then when you start to see people do things that, you know, you may not agree with, but they're actually better and homeowners like better or whatever it is, that can be hard to handle. But just know that it, that's okay. Like your time is going to change if you do this. And you, it's a good thing if you are moving into more of a decision-making role rather than just a doing level. Yeah. Well said. Who said that? Now you got me. Now I'm going to have to look it oh, up. I'll man, let you know I by the end of the episode. <laughs> okay. I wrote out the quote. I didn't put the quote who it's by, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get it for you. Well, I just, uh, I don't need to know to go look it up. I just, that, that's really good because yeah, that that's one of the great dangers too, as you grow and is backsliding. Uh, you go back to what you do because it's comfortable and you liked it. And, and that's a real tendency and a real danger. Doesn't mean that you have to hate the future. If you get right, if you get enough people, if you have, if you hire a CEO to run your company and you want to make cabinets, get a CEO to run your company, go make cabinets. It's your hobby now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've got it's uh, Ryan Holiday. Uh, okay. Ego is the enemy. Ego, E-G-O. E-G-O, Ego is the Enemy is the name of that book. Um, Okay, so production, uh, doing the business. I think, uh, you know, people are usually the expert in that, but there's still ways they can improve. Let's move on to the fourth uh, area really quick. So um, this one is (laughs) what people hate most of the time. Well, I, I always describe administrative functions and people who start their own business identify immediately. I describe it as all the things you had never even heard of when you started your business. Never yeah. even heard of it. You naively walk in and go, well, how hard could it be? <laughs> this is the stuff <laughs> that confounds a lot of people. It's, uh, it's things like bookkeeping, it's HR, human resources, it's IT, it's paying taxes, it's uh, your corporate documents, like like your operating agreement that your bank is going to ask right. you for. And what's that? Why do I do Where do I get one of those? You know, it's uh, your payroll, it's taxes, it's managing cash. Um, and one of my favorite insurance. insurance. I mean, it's legal. It's, you know, it's your website. Your website is really part of marketing, but a website to exist and all is not necessarily an administrative function, but somebody's got to pay for it and maintain it. IT. I mean, it's hiring people. It's doing performance evaluations. It, it is all the stuff that doesn't seem fun. It, it is at least stuff to me. That I think to most contractors. Yeah, I yeah. mean, most people they didn't get into business because they thought bookkeeping was fun, right? And uh, I'm the opposite of that. I do think, yeah, you love that, but stuff. not because of bookkeeping, but because of what it's like speaking a foreign language then it tells you so much, but, but anyway, it's, it's all those things. And just kind of looking at it, the four functions, why we said in the beginning, your business, not you, but your business has to be at least good in all four areas, because if you can sell, but you can't deliver, meaning you can't produce it, you're dead. If you can produce it because you're a really good welder, but you can't sell any jobs, you're dead. If you can produce it and you can sell it, but nobody remembers to invoice. And I always laugh, who could ever forget the invoice? (laughs) 
<laughs> practically every conversation I've ever had, somebody goes, oh, yeah. Or or I invoice, 40, you know, four months later. Oh, I'm just not going to send it to them. I don't want to. I forgot that. And I don't, anyway, so uh, but if you can sell and you can deliver and produce, but you don't invoice or you don't pay your taxes or you run out of cash or your insurance lapses a week before you have an yeah, accident, you're, you're dead. And those three things, if you don't have leadership and guidance and insistence on these things, you're not going to have those. So I hope it's, it's apparent what these things all work together in the company, not, not the owner, but the company has to be at least good in all those areas. People who are really good in all of them just thrive and everybody else just wonders, why are they so good? <laughs> so kind of, that yeah. makes well, you know, I think administration is always a, a weak point, honestly, for many businesses, but for contractors, especially, I'm mm -hmm. curious to hear from you. I know mine. What is, uh, what do you, what have you seen be like the worst situation for a contractor on the admin side? Like, is it the bookkeeping? I think it's always the bookkeeping, but like what, which one do you think they're the worst out of all of these? I mean, yeah, I think it's cash management, which is a function of bookkeeping. Um, right. Getting people invoiced, getting, uh, it, it, it's the bookkeeping. Uh, a lot of the things they might not have, um, uh, an operating agreement that they need for their bank to get a loan. Sure. But you can go get one. I mean, Pretty it's easily. going to take in an afternoon, but you can go get an attorney or an accountant to help you with that. I don't recommend it, but you can get one off the internet. So you can, and right. then, okay, now I have one. Bookkeeping is perpetual. <laughs> you have to invoice you. And, and you know this of me, Khalil, and, and we're going to find out if you listen in the future here, that one of my great passions is much suffering in business is due to the lack of good information. And yep. If you get that information, you can eliminate a tremendous amount of suffering because you can make good decisions. Well, to keep good decisions, financial decisions, uh, money decisions, can I afford that? What's the cost? How much cash do I need if I double my sales? Those kind of things. If you understand that, uh, you can avoid a lot of pain. Well, that requires good books and they're never done because you do more business next month, you're gonna have to make some entries. You can structure them so that it's automatic and that you can get them done systems and processes. So it's not like you have to reinvent books every time you work at it, but somebody has got to keep them up. So a number one failing, um, harsh word, I guess, but it's still true of every business says contracting every business is they don't keep good books. Uh, yep. And the reason they don't is they don't know why they're important. They don't know what they are and they don't know why they're important. Yeah. They just think it's for taxes or to give the bank. Well, it's right. way more than taxes and give the bank. It's what will guide your decisions about the future. So yes, I think bookkeeping, uh, and one of the, one of the symptoms of bad bookkeeping, which is bad cash flow, uh, are the two most critical and perpetual issues. Yeah. So mine, my, my Mine is kind of similar, but I, it's not on a cash side. It's more on a, it's, it's an organization function like bookkeeping, I would say. Um, and it's more on the customer side or just relationship side. And it's a CRM. I think oh, yeah. every contractor is drastically failing if, what, they're, what's a CRM? if they're not keeping up with their CRM. Contact yes. or customer relationship manager. Really, yeah. really just think of it as like a glorified contact book in your phone. Like, 
how many of you guys are actually going in and typing in the number each time whenever you're calling somebody? Almost nobody. You're pulling up your smartphone, you're going into your phone book, you're clicking on their contact, and then you're clicking call. Well, essentially, most contractors in their business are still using the dial pad to make to make phone calls and make decisions. Whether it's in marketing, whether it's in sales, they're going in, they're typing it in manually every single time to do it. But if you're using a CRM, it's keeping everything in one place. All of your correspondence, emails, phone calls with a person are going into their essentially contact record in the contact relationship manager, in the CRM. And then you can leave notes on there. You can create tasks on there. But it just keeps everything organized so that you don't have to worry about, oh, where, where did we leave off with that conversation with the customer? When did we service them? What did we give them? What was what kind of hardware did we use on that job that we did? Whatever it is, it's always valuable to have that information. And the CRM is really the foundation of your sales and marketing, in my opinion, I, even even more than the website, yeah, I would say. That's where it has to start is the CRM. And we'll, we'll talk more about it in that in length, but it's very much an administrative function and it can be mundane at times. But if you use it, Every client that we've worked with that uses their CRM now doesn't know how they did business exactly. without it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. Well, I, I mean, we could talk about administration topics forever and they're usually the most boring in my well, opinion, one, but you one, don't think one so. One thing you I love keeping. talk to uh, real quickly, just in passing though, um, keeping track of what happens in your business is as hard as whatever it is you do in your business. And I, I've never had anybody challenge me on that. I mean, it is, it is as hard. And unfortunately, it kind of falls into overhead. It's a, it's a necessity uh, for legal and tax, but yeah. also to thrive. It's a necessity, but it's a lot of work. And uh, well, it feels like it's slowing you down. Yeah, and you don't see the immediate benefit. Well, that didn't make me exactly. any revenue. Well, it it can make you revenue. It can also save you a lot of revenue or save you a lot of money. So. Yeah. Well, I'll do a quick recap really quick of the four areas, just so it's really clear. Guidance, guiding the business. It's, you know, it's your vision, your culture, your purpose. It's the leadership in your business. Um, Getting the business, customers. um, That's just attracting people and creating opportunities uh, so that you can produce and deliver your product or service. Um, Then you've got production, which is doing the business, what contractors are great at, why they got into business in the first place, but it's the actual delivery of that business, of that um, service or that product. Then administration, which we just talked about, just keeping track of things and doing all the compliance, the HR, the taxes, insurance, the bookkeeping, the CRM, all those different things. So that's the four areas, but I'm excited for this next segment because we get to, to... you guys don't know this, but Ethan has been on this uh, podcast the entire time. I'm excited to have him over, and he's going to give a little bit of a recap of everything we did. Now, Martin, if you hear anything that he got wrong, <laughs> you get to call him out, and uh, I'll do the same. But if yeah, if he got something wrong, uh, let's stick it to him. But anyways, okay. Ethan, take it away. Okay, so let's start. Can you hear me, Martin? I can. Cool. So the first one, contractors wear many different hats. Cool. Got it. Keep going. You got one minute, by the way. Okay. Good contractors are good at project management. 
Um, yep. The first thing, start with the vision. Where do you want to be in five to 10 to 20 years? A thriving business is a highly profitable, profitable enterprise that can operate without you having to be there every day. Uh, creating SOPs that fit the employees and new employees allows you to become a thriving business. Khalil does believe it is possible to take a vacation, a 60-day vacation one day. That's a vision. Uh, every business does not does the four areas, but not one person can do all four areas by themselves. Most businesses have not thought about their vision. Uh, clarity is key to vision because you know what you want rather than wandering. Vision does not have to be complicated. Ask yourself, what do you really want? Uh, value and culture are shaped by the vision and leadership. Vision gives you something for you and your team to believe in. Nobody can duplicate your culture. Uh, be decisive and have a vision and people will follow. Um, one quote, people will go where you tell them to. Uh, people that don't use marketing think marketing as an expense, not an investment. Uh, marketing is an unknown voodoo. That's what Martin said. <laughs> if you do, if you cannot do a task, say you're accounting, hire someone to keep your books to make sure you have done them correctly and you understand your books. Uh, more appealing brand equals more business. Uh, the number one question you guys hear uh, about choosing contractors is they called me back. Uh, doing the business. Uh, people are usually good at doing the business, but uh, they have to be able to measure it. Uh, writing out your systems can show you where you need to improve in your business. Uh, personal identity will change as you become a business owner. Administering the business. Uh, your business has to do be good at at least all four areas. Uh, bookkeeping is an area that most contra contractors need help on. Bookkeeping is perpetual. Good books means better decisions with money so you can avoid a lot of pain. And the CRM is the foundation of sales and marketing. Okay. Pretty good. I missed some, but yeah, it's all right. Well, I think you might some, I just very yeah. slightly is uh, you will change as you become a business owner. I think maybe as you will change as you progress. As you as progress a as a business not, not just to become, but as you begin right. to grow. Yeah. But really good. Yeah, it's always changing. Not so bad. I think that's a good recap. Yeah. We would. Yeah, I don't know that we have this post-production process down, but we would add like the round of applause audience right yeah. there for Ethan. But um, <laughs> he just gets little thumbs up from us. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks, Martin. Um, okay. Looking forward to doing this again. Yeah. Next time, I think we'll probably jump into one of these areas and just give a really deep dive into one of them. Okay. Um, and then we'll start going topic by topic, I think. Uh, and, you know, if you've got topics that you want to hear about, that you're interested, questions, whatever it is, we'd love to hear some of those as well uh, if you're listening. So feel free to shoot us an email. We'll leave that in the show notes. Definitely check out the show notes. We'll be spending a lot of time on those and they'll be very lengthy, but they'll be, you know, chock full of things that we've mentioned, books, resources, uh, whatever it is. And yeah, anything else you want to leave with Martin? No, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com. What's up, Cashflow Contractors? Khalil here. Thank you so much for getting to the end of this episode. It means the world to us that you're listening. Uh, I've got a favor to ask. So we are looking for contractors who would like to have a consult, a free consult with myself and with Martin. 
um, for about 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, we'll basically just ask you questions about your business, about what it's like for you to work as a contractor, and then we will answer any of your questions specific to your business. Then we'll make that a live episode for other contractors to learn from, to engage with, uh, and we think it's a great way for people to really see clear, uh, specific answers to problems that contractors have. So if that interests you at all, we're not gonna share any of your information. Um, we, you don't even need to say your name on the episode, but I think we wanna get some more of these episodes out there. And if you're willing to do that, we've got a link in the show notes that allows you to just submit a form for a consult, then we'll schedule it with you and record it, and we'll put you live on, on uh, the podcast. So if that interests you, please check it out in the show notes. If not, no worries. Or if you know someone else that you think would be interested in it, send it to them. That'd be great, but appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we hope that you're finding less stress, more time, and more money. Thanks.